from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It is the Craig Needles Podcast, which can be found at londonnewstoday.ca, classicrock981.com, and wherever you get your podcasts, and we are joined on the podcast to talk about executive salaries. Science Center by Peter Bergmanis, who has been kind enough to join us. He is with the London Health Coalition. Peter, always good to chat. It's been a little while. We were just saying off the off the podcast. Been a while since we've chatted. So good that we can uh, get together here. Glad you could do this. And it's my pleasure to be here and to talk to you and your listeners. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's begin with sort of the big story this week. And we got Sunshine List numbers from the London Health Sciences Center. And what jumped out quite a bit for just about everyone who was looking at it was the significant raise for Jackie Schleffer-Taylor, who, of course, is uh, the, the, the top person at the at London Health Sciences Center. And the salary comes in at roughly three quarters of a million dollars. Look, I get it. Three quor- like you, you need to pay big money for top people. I understand that. I, I get it. I get it. But in a time when frontline staff, Peter, are being told over and over and over again that they are going to be receiving 1% raises, you, you can't give a 40% bump to someone. And that's what Schlepper Taylor got here. Well, clearly they can, right? Craig? Well, yeah, I guess you, uh, I guess they, you they're, can. They're, yeah, they fair enough. Uh, they aren't inhibited by uh, the legislation emanating out of Queens Park to a 1% wage cap, which is, you know, not, not exactly considered a very fair uh, way to approach your heroes. Um, so, I mean, uh, the the provincial government has its share in this, but again, you also then look at, you know, what is the board thinking? Uh, are they that isolated from the reality of the frontline staff? Are they that completely out of touch with society in general and the affordability crisis and uh, the fact that they have, you know, a staffing crunch where they can't retain staff, they can't attract enough staff? And, you know, obviously a cap on wages in these circumstances are not going to encourage anyone to want to apply if they can find work elsewhere that's more remunerative. So just the optics of it alone, you have to question what's the board thinking? Uh, Why is Jackie Taylor thinking that this is an okay thing to accept? She could have shown solidarity, frankly. She could have, you know, done a modest increase, a little more in keeping with what her workers can get. And, uh, you know, that that might have shown that it would have been okay for them. But this, yeah, it's just raising hackles and making things worse. Here are some more numbers, Peter, and I put this out on Twitter earlier today. And and again, like this is a, a crude way to look at it, but I took the top 15 year-over-year raises among just management positions at London Health Science Center between 2021 and 2022. The expenditure on that was a little more than $980,000. So we're approaching a million bucks there. So we have a million dollars for executive raises and we're going to cap nurses and other frontline staff at 1%. Like that's, that's really, really hard for me to understand. I, I know that people are going to say there's legislation, different pots of money, but these are all people who are working at the same place. Some people, a million dollars in raises to split. People who are making less than them, you're, you're going to be stuck at 1%. I just, I, I, how does that anything but spitting in the faces 
of the frontline healthcare heroes, and we call them this all the time. How was this anything other than spitting in the faces of nurses and other frontline staff at London Health Science Center when one person gets a 40% raise and everyone else is sitting stuck, stuck at 1%? It is true. It's true. Um, and again, you can, you can thank Mr. Ford for this. Um, he, uh, you know, has legislated an unconstitutional piece of legislation that froze wages since 2018. And now he appeals the very same unconstitutional law. And, and it's like uh, spitting on them from Queens Park. And now you have your local executive hospital leadership spitting on them on the local scene. So it's, uh, it's so outlandish and uh, just uh, as a former healthcare worker myself, I, I would be spitting right back at them. So I guess this just doesn't get fixed so long as the provincial government is not willing to step back on Bill 124, which is a fight that I suspect in court at some point along the line here they are going to lose. But for now, Bill 124 is here and it is causing this problem. So that just means that there's going to be continued significant recruiting problems at London House Sciences Center. And the story we're talking about now is not going to help. Yeah, it is completely true. Um I, I don't know where they think, well, you know, there's certainly uh, the health coalition is very concerned that the retention aspect of this is is deliberate. Um, they're actually driving healthcare personnel into the waiting arms of the for-profit uh, private care provider industry. And it's pretty evident uh, just from the fact that you saw that in the provincial budget, how much they're plowing of public dollars into private clinics. And if you don't have a very attractive uh, public alternative where staff are getting paid what they should be getting paid, those staff are going to walk and they're going to walk to those private clinics. That's that's the other problem is we, we're talking about more private health care. Well, the staff are going to want to work at the place where their pay increases aren't capped at 1% a year. Precisely and, I, and, I, and I don't blame them. Like, I, I, of course, yeah. they're going to want to work someplace like that other than the hospital, you know? Well, I, I can't blame them either. I, I mean, I'm pro- completely in the camp of public health care. But can I blame someone who's going to get better hours of work, better work-life balance, possibly double their income, working only nine to five in a clinic? Uh, you know, I, I can't blame someone for wanting to do that. and yet. The rest of us are going to suffer horribly if we don't like end this wage cap nonsense, treating the people who serve us in the public sector fairly, because we're not going to do very well as a society if we don't stop this. No, we're going to have a situation where there is even more of a wreck in the healthcare system than there already was. And, you know, I, I, I looked at a lot of quotes from... Jackie Schleffer-Taylor in regards to, you know, the restructuring they've recently done there and we're doing this to provide better health care for the people of Ontario or the people of London, I guess, is what she would have said. And, and okay, if you want to provide better health care, that's fine. I think we need better health care. I don't understand how large executive raises is going to accomplish that when nurses are leaving all over the place and other people that are frontline workers in the hospital. I'm talking about maintenance staff. I'm talking about folks that are making sure the place runs smoothly when they're leaving too, when there's no retention there. I don't understand how you're making anything better at LHSC if you still got an environment where everyone who's there wants to go work someplace else. 
It isn't making anything better. And really, what what has changed uh, apart from a massive increase in the executive salary? She's literally making over two hundred thousand more than she did while Paul Woods was in charge. That's uh, you know, and that was the prior uh, CEO. Yeah. That's and, a lot. That's a big raise like, from the old old position. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, and then that's within, uh, you know, a little over a year difference. Um, that doesn't even make sense, frankly. The complexity of the hospital didn't change that much. Nope. And it doesn't add up. So, you know, I don't think someone in her circle was thinking clearly as to how is this perceived out in the broader community and amongst the staff that she's supposed to be representing. I got to ask you about hospital boards, Peter, because I, I feel as though they're not exactly an accountable body. Uh, whereas, you know, so I asked if someone from the hospital board wanted to appear on this podcast. I was told the answer was no, that that wasn't going to happen. All right. I, I gave you a chance. Uh, but do, do, do you not feel as though there's just a lack of accountability there? Because I think about in the city of London, our tourism board has elected people on it, our library board, our police services board, like all these boards that impact our day-to-day lives have someone on there who's elected, someone on there who's accountable to the public. That is not the case of the hospital board. And I think that's wrong. What do you think? Oh, you're quite correct there, Craig. Um, it's been a, a real sticking point in the health coalition that uh, the province doesn't have uh, elected hospital boards in general, you know, and, and tie it to. We elect school boards. Why can't we do like- school boards? Exactly. Exactly. And it's like far more accountability than certainly a more uh, democratic process than just who you're tied to financially and what kind of interest group you may be, because many of these people are insiders. And and, and a situation like this pay hike kind of reflects that, yeah, they are insiders. They don't don't seem to be in touch with the community they're supposed to speak for. So uh, certainly we should be, you know, looking at that. I I wish there were somewhere in this province that that actually exists right now, but it doesn't. Um, So have elected school boards or elected hospital boards would would give us a better insight into what takes place. Most meetings are closed and in camera. So, you know, the public can't even really see any of the real meat and bones of what's going on behind the scenes. And you can't hold people accountable when everything's in secret. So, you know, there's so many ways we could have uh, avoided the situation here and anywhere, frankly, um, certainly speaking to little towns where they have their community hospital having their ERs closed, you know, if those boards were actually completely transparent, they'd probably be fighting like hell not to have their ERs closed. So yeah, a lot of things that we could be dealing with, it was a little more democracy and less secrecy. So I I couldn't agree with you more. I'm going to read you the statement from the, the board that I received. I said that I, I offered them a chance to, to come on the podcast and they said they weren't going to do that. And that's, that's fine. But they, I was, I did receive a statement. This is attributed to board chair Phyllis Reddy. It says the following, Dr. Schleffer Taylor was named interim CEO for London House Science Center in 2021 and through a competitive recruitment process was named permanent CEO in late 2021. Her salary reflects the transition to permanent CEO and the adoption of an executive compensation framework that was used during uh, external benchmarking to other complex hospital systems in Ontario. It includes base pay, performance pay, and some accrued vacation pay that she was unable to take time off due to the ongoing pandemic and system recovery work. 
a, a few red flags there for me. One, as you mentioned, making significantly more than Paul Woods ever did to do the same job. I don't think that the system's any more complex. Two, uh, if this was done using external benchmarking, why is Jackie Schleffer-Taylor the highest paid hospital executive, the fourth highest paid in the province, and the highest paid who doesn't work in downtown Toronto? Like, what, what, what other benchmarks were we using there? That's the part that's confusing to me. Yeah, it's really interesting. And in, uh, in these third-party uh, consultants, let's face it, they're usually there to get in a result that's predetermined. It isn't like it's completely a empty box and they just look at everything apples to apples. I'm I'm pretty darn sure that uh, you know they're told we're looking to compare her to something that's going to give her a raise, and that's what happened. And uh, you know they don't get jobs uh, doing this if they don't come back with increase salaries for the people looking for those salaries. Yeah. And the Sunshine List, let's face it, it was it was it may have had good intentions back in the 1990s of maybe controlling wage increases to the top echelons, but it's only turned out to be a way of showing, hey, wait a minute, one CEO can be then able to leapfrog over the next CEO because they see how much more they're making. So it's really gone counter to what its uh, intention was. And uh, so we, you know, there was a time we actually were debating about let's cap all of their wages at no more than half a million, which is a comfortable wage for any human being. Yeah, I think that you can make you can make ends meet on a half mil. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. And like this argument that, uh, oh, that we're, we're going to lose these people. Well, I think we had to kick Paul Woods out. I don't think he wanted to just leave. So, you know, it's it's a uh, it's kind of funny how at the top they think they're competing when in fact they're only just trying to compete on who can make more money than the other. Um, yeah, they're not just... really uh they're not leaving these jobs because they think they're going to do better somewhere else. They know they're doing very well already. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy from the perspective of oh well, we need to have the wages out there, and therefore because we have the wages out there, everyone knows what everyone else is making. Everyone wants to make more relative to this person. My hospital is more complicated than that person's, or whatever it happens to be, and that leads us to a situation where we're spending again. These are just the top fifteen raises. There are fifteen hundred people that work at that hospital. Here is the top fifteen raises from manager perspective: a million dollars in raises for those fifteen people, not including benefits, just salary. A million dollars. It's astounding. It's, it's, it? it's, it's hard it's, to understand how we're being told that, you know, we can't give raises to nurses and we can't give raises to other frontline staff, but this is what, this is okay. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. And, and uh, clearly, you know, no one's going to miss the CEO at the hospital when they're not on site. Nope. But they sure miss that nurse when she's not there. Who's ever looked at a hospital and said there are too many nurses here? Answer, literally no one ever. <laughs> Who's yeah, ever looked at a hospital and said there are too many managers here? Probably a lot of times. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember we spent a billion dollars about 15 years ago in this city to restructure our health system and yeah. kind of flatline the administrative? Well, where has that gone? There was once just one CEO that covered every hospital campus in the city. That was Cliff Nordahl. And he was making, yes, he Less. was making much better money. But that was a one-off where it was a joint 
president of all of the hospitals. And now they've mushroomed again. Yeah. Under Dr. Taylor, they're actually, you know, new presidents for different campuses under her control. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I just, it's it's hard to understand how the board felt that this was justifiable. And I, I asked the question about how this is going to play with frontline staff and got this response. And you tell me if you think it means anything. Uh, we are grateful that our frontline staff continue to provide exceptional care to our community, especially when faced with pandemic and other challenges. The compensation of represented and non-represented staff at London Health Sciences Centre, including nurses, is determined by collective bargaining and or provincial legislation. It's important to note that of 15,000 people who work for London Health Sciences Centre, a total of 1,711 or 12% are on the salary disclosure list, and the vast majority of those people work in clinical positions. Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly worried about who's on the sunshine list. Uh, I am, though, uh, folks with London Health Sciences Centre. Uh, pretty concerned about why the people who are getting the raises are the people who are in the executive suites. That's that's what bugs me. And that was was uh, Phyllis Reddy, the board chair, who said that. Uh, this, of course, doesn't note how staff are going to feel about this being in, in a news story. And they don't respond to that portion of my question. How do you think staff are feeling about this, Peter? Like, I, I, they, I think they'd have a right to be pretty pissed off if, I, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you're definitely correct. I mean, I was a staff member and when these lists would come out on an annual basis, I would be absolutely infuriated. And that was before we even had the caps on our collective bargaining process. I mean, this kind of interference is just, uh, you know, slaps you in the face for doing the frontline work and meanwhile rewards those in the cushy positions who really, when it comes down to it, no staff member feels like they're there for them when they need that kind of support. They're not changing anything regarding the staffing ratios. They're not changing the quality of care. Uh, so, and even their limited oversight is really of, of small compensation when it considers that you're dealing with the public and they're not directly there to support you. So. It's like you're suddenly being told that you're so much worth less doing so much more important things than they are. I should add also there, Craig, that you'll note in the Sunshine List stats that there's a lot of um, RNs that are going to start showing up. And they have been over a period of decades now. Yep. Uh, and that's because of excessive work. Yeah, it's overtime. It's yeah, Wait, like there, there are there are some nurses that got thirty thousand dollar raises. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, this nurse got a thirty thousand dollar raise, and I realize she, in most cases, the uh, the ones that are getting thirty thousand dollars are women. She was capped at a one percent hourly increase. Yeah, so she must be working a lot of overtime to get an extra thirty thousand dollars compared to a year ago. Like, what 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 else? What other explanation is there? Right? You nailed it exactly. So who's like working their tail off here? Versus the one who just had to sit in an office and got two hundred grand more. Yep, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah, it's so like you know, and a nurse getting a thirty thousand dollar bump because in the, the these particular cases, there's I think a few of them that are on the list that got thirty thousand dollar increases because she worked a whole lot of overtime. That I don't think that should bother anyone. 
Like, in fact, the fact that she had to work so much overtime and got a $30,000 bump, that should be what annoys you, is the amount of overtime that these people are tasked to put in, otherwise the hospital stops running. That should bother you. The fact that someone got $30,000 to work a whole lot of overtime uh, should not bother you at all. In fact, uh, I'm glad that those nurses are, are, are getting their cash, but it's a 1% hourly bump, and that is, uh, that's not good enough. It's not even close to good enough. So true. Remember when we were banging so pots and pans for our healthcare heroes? Remember that? Yeah. In uh, yeah, in the spring definitely. of 2020, uh, this is uh, this is not that. What is uh, what is wound up happening at London Health Science Center? Certainly is not. And um, you know, it's uh, unfortunately it's not uh, uncommon. You know, so here we are. You know, those people who do aren't getting the rewards of society, and yet those who don't do that much. Just drain it all in, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely frustrating. Uh, Peter, anything else you want to add, uh, or 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 make sure that we uh, put a spotlight on here in our conversation before we wrap up our chat? Well, this is uh, again part of the bigger picture of a of a provincial government that's uh, grossly underfunding the public health system, and uh, you know, no one wants to see. Uh, the resources that the public hospitals are getting drained into the top 1% of the uh, executives. And meanwhile, those workers who are strained to the maximum every day, trying to keep things afloat and trying to keep us safe from harm, are being uh, again ignored and uh, downtrodden in this, uh, this particular way. And they are going to walk. And if we don't change the policies out of Queen's Park, stop this nonsense of spending public dollars in for-profit institutions and new private clinics, then we're going to really lose the, the core of Medicare right now. And, and, and this is really at the heart of this whole business of executive pay versus the uh, frontline pay. We have to really turn this ship around before it's too late. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's got to happen because I just don't want to wake up one morning and say, hey, wait a minute, we don't have enough people to run London Health Sciences Center today because none of the nurses want to work there anymore because the work is too much for the for too little compensation. I don't want that. I don't want it. No, nobody does. Yeah, uh, Peter, thank you so much for doing this and, and having a chat with us today. Always appreciative of the time. Glad you could do it. Oh, very pleased to be here, Craig. And, you know, you be safe. That's Peter Bergmanis, London Health Coalition, joining us here on the Craig Needles podcast. And listen, I I get it that you need to have someone with some level of experience running a hospital. I get it. And these are their numbers. These are the numbers that they gave me in regards to the staffing levels at London Health Science Center. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read them to you and you can take these numbers at face value. 84% of the people on the Sunshine List are non-management. Of the non-management staff, 92% are in clinical positions. 16% are management. So that means coordinators, managers, directors, executives. Okay, so I took just the people from that 16%, got the top 15 as far as the year-over-year percentage increase goes, and that cost them a million dollars. It's a lot of money. When you're telling your nurses that you can't give them anymore. And I get it. I understand. This is a Bill 124 thing. This is not London Health Science Center saying we don't want to pay our nurses. But how, if you are a nurse, 
if you are on the front lines doing anything medical, even non-medical stuff, we're talking cooking food, we're talking maintenance. How can you, people at the executive level of London Health Sciences Center, take a $240,000 a year raise in Jackie Schleifer Taylor's case or an $80,000 a year raise-ish in Carol Young Ritchie's case and not think that is anything but a massive f you to nurses, to maintenance staff, to people who are in the kitchen, basically any position in the hospital where their raises are capped at 1%. You get your cash and you kick the ladder out from behind you? How is the messaging anything other than that? Don't give me any nonsense about, well, look what Bill 124 has done to us. We'll get to that in a second. How is it anything other than what I just said? I'm going to read to you an email that I got from a London Health Science Center staffer whose name I'm not going to repeat on here because listen to this. I am a Unifor member, Local 27, within London Health Science Center. I'd like to voice my concern with the astronomical pay raise our CEO was given. I had no idea why or how an executive falls outside of the Ford administration's 1% when, even after the rule has been deemed no longer valid for the hospital and they've refused to negotiate anything more than that for our local. So I guess this particular local has been without a deal for a couple years, just for some context. Maybe not a couple years, but approaching that. Within the facilities department, they waste money on contractors on a daily basis because they cannot retain or hire staff due to the trades wages being so low. There is a constant flow of tradespeople from outside contractors that are here so frequently, they're often known on a first name basis after years of being here almost daily. While their pay rate is substantially more than ours, it is still a fraction of what they are being billed out at. They, are high, they have hiring and retention issues across the board here. Every department I enter is short-staffed and disgruntled. There are constant remarks about how great a place this used to be, how much cleaner and well-kept the buildings were, about dropping levels of care. We are told over and over how much frontline workers are the backbone of healthcare, unless it comes to paying them, I guess. That is reserved for senior levels of management, it would appear. How do you argue with any of that? Now, you can talk about how the hospital is being run from the inside and, and uh, trade workers and spending more on contractors because you're not spending enough on people who are full-time employees there and, and, and go back and forth on, all day on that. But the last two lines, we are told over and over again how much frontline workers are the backbone of healthcare unless it comes to paying them, I guess, that is reserved for senior levels of management, it would appear. How do you argue with those two lines? And how do you as a senior manager, and how do you, as a hospital board, face those frontline workers and look them in the eye in the midst of all this? I couldn't do it. So again, to recap, I wanted the board to come on. They said they wouldn't do it. You heard from Peter Bergmanis. There's his take. And you've heard from at least one staffer there who's emailed me. And by the way, if you're a London Health Science Center staffer who has some thoughts on this, and you want your email to be read or maybe shared online or something like that, with no names, no names is fine. We can do that. Email me, cneedles at blackburnmedia.ca. Maybe we can work something out because people who work at that hospital are angry. I do not blame them in the least bit. And if you want to say this is not all Jackie Schleifer Taylor's fault, that's fine. Okay. You can, you can say that. You want to say, you want to put some blame on the Ford government? Okay. I'm right there with you. But Doug Ford doesn't have to walk the same hallways that the people who are capped at a 1% pay increase do. 
Jackie Schleifer Taylor does. And it's going to be hard for her to do that on a day-to-day basis. It's going to be hard for Carol Young Ritchie to do that on a day-to-day basis. Knowing full well that there's a lot of people who work there that are real pissed off at them. Carol Young Ritchie, by the way, who as far as I know didn't really change jobs, went from $287,000 in 2021, cash in at three sixty-two. So I, I just, I can't wrap my head around why the board thinks it's a good idea other than they're accountable to no one. So why wouldn't they? I can't wrap my head around why Jackie Schleifer Taylor thinks this is a good idea other than cash them checks. And I can't wrap my head around why if there are so many rules about what you can pay nurses and other frontline staff, why those rules do not apply to hospital executives. Of course they should, but they never will. And here's the coup de grace. If anyone tells you that London Health Sciences Center workers should not be pissed off by this, well, Jackie Schleifer Taylor doesn't control Bill 124. That's not on her. I'm still waiting for her or any other hospital executive in this province to stand up and say what the Ford government is doing to nurses and other frontline staff at hospitals here with Bill 124 capping them to a 1% yearly raise is garbage. If you want me to believe that you actually give a gosh darn about your frontline staff, how about you tell Doug Ford where to stick Bill 124? If you want me to believe that, okay, Jackie Schleifer-Taylor rakes in a whole lot of cash, but she does care about the people on the front lines, come on this podcast, come on the radio with me, whatever she wants to do, and have her say Bill 124 is a bad piece of legislation and it makes our hospital worse. If we want to feel bad for the position she's been put in by the Ford government, she should push back on it a little bit. She, nor any other hospital executive in the province, has not done that. She probably thinks Bill 124 is great because holy smokes, is she feathering her nest? Unless, of course, she comes out and says, no, London hospital workers, you're being screwed over by the provincial government here, and I'm sorry that's happening. If she says that, I'll change my mind about this. But until that point, as far as I'm concerned, Jackie Schleifer-Taylor thinks that Bill 124 is great. She is glad, nurses of London, that your salary increases are being so significantly limited by the provincial government. She thinks it's great. It's good news for her. Prove me wrong. Let's wrap up the Craig Needles podcast there. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the podcast. I'm a little fired up today, but that's the situation. Appreciate everyone who has written in and people who will write in in the future and appreciate Peter McManus for being on the podcast as well. The Craig Needles podcast can be found at classicrock981.com, londonnewstoday.ca, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 